Last week, we ended the book of Ephesians on the theme of prayer, prayer care for the Christian soldier. And that last chapter of Ephesians had that warrior in it and the full armor of God, and then the wrap-up of praying for me as I do battle, basically, Paul was saying, and go out, pray that I'll have boldness and courage. And that's how we left the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to jump into the Psalms, and I'm going to preach from the last book of the Psalms. There are five books in the Psalms. They are divided more or less arbitrarily into these five books. The fifth one starts with Psalm 107. So if you are not now in a devotional plan, I want to challenge you to read the rest of the Psalms, Psalm 107 to 150, this summer while I'm preaching from this part of the Psalter. When you get to Psalm 119, you don't have to bite it all off at once. Some of you have never read Psalm 119 because it's the longest chapter in the Bible and those 175 verses are intimidating to you. Well, it's divided into 22 sections. So if you read the last 43 Psalms and read Psalm 119 in the 22 sections, that'll get you to the end of the summer. Right? So just take it upon yourself. If you're not now reading the scripture regularly, go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to read this last part of the book of Psalms. Now, the book of Psalms is David's most lasting work. Spurgeon called it the treasury of David. The king has a treasury. And the treasury is the Psalms. And though the sacrificial system led by Aaron has gone by the wayside, and the ceremonial law received by Moses has ended its reign, the Psalms of David continue to be sung as we sang them today. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Thousands and millions of voices this day in millions of congregations around the planet have sung the words of King David back to the Father. It is powerful, these psalms which we visit. I hope that they are part of your Christian life, your journey that you have opened the book of Psalms and read in them these powerful, anointed, and inspired words that are intended for you. The Psalms are much quoted in the New Testament. They are not just for Old Testament people. They are for the church of Jesus Christ and are indeed the most common songbook the church has used for all these years. The Psalms have a pervasive presence in our culture. I went up to see Joe Cannon while he was in the hospital. And I said, Joe, how are you doing? He said, you know, I couldn't sleep last night. And they brought me a Bible, and he showed it to me. It was that little white nurse's Bible that the Gideons give out. And the print in it is so tiny, I'd have to have a magnifying glass to read it, okay? So he said, have you got anything bigger? So they brought him a bigger Gideon Bible, which is a great Bible. And it has print that even I can see without a magnifying glass, all right? And he said, I read two psalms and fell asleep. 
You say, oh, he shouldn't sleep when he's reading the Bible. No, that's good. It's good. Okay? It put his heart at rest. If you read the paper today, there is a fellow who isn't a man of faith, as far as I know, James Gill, who's written an editorial. You know what he started his editorial with today? Psalm 23. Now, he's writing about something in regard to the legislature and wanting laws so that we can carry guns into the sanctuaries, which is outlawed, by the way. You should leave your weapons at home, okay? <laughs> That's illegal to come into church with a gun, okay? But somebody in Louisiana is trying to change that so that we can bring guns in anyway. James Gill's article was about that, and he mentioned Psalm 23. It is part of the language of our culture these psalms. They are powerful and wonderful, and I want you to get to know them. And what I'm going to do through the, through the summer is preach from the various psalms. Now, many of the psalms are connected to historical events, not only in the life of David, but the life of the nation. David did not write all the psalms. About half of them are specifically attributed to David, there are another group of them, which makes a majority of them, that are attributed to David in other parts of Scripture, although they don't have David's name on them in the Psalter. And many of the anonymous Psalms, when we read them, we think, wow, this sounds just like Psalm 23, once that we know David wrote. So David may have written a lot of the anonymous Psalms. I'm going to preach from two Psalms of David this summer. One is Psalm 8, which we're going to visit today, and the other is one that we, we had on the screen earlier, Psalm 139. I love Psalm 139. I know some of you do as well. I'm going to bring three messages from Psalm 139 in August, all right? By the way, August 29th is the fifth anniversary of Hurricane Katrina's landfall. Uh, maybe we don't want to think about that, okay? But it's true. And I've asked Fred Luter to come and preach the message that day, and he has agreed. So on August 29th, the fifth anniversary of Katrina's landfall, Pastor Luter will be here to bring the message for us. Okay, open your Bible to Psalm 108. Now there are three stanzas here, and I want to read the first stanza for you, okay? And they are divided into stanzas on purpose, because they were set to music and sung by God's people. My heart is steadfast, O God. You see that? Psalm 108, verse 1. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. David makes a declaration, okay? It's a morning song. Charles Spurgeon called it the warrior's morning song. David starts his morning by saying, I'm going to make a declaration. When David looks at himself, he's no more inspired than you are spiritually when you look at yourself, all right? 
He doesn't look at himself and say, wow, what a steadfast heart. This first phrase that he gives here, my heart is steadfast, oh God. It's not an observation. It's a declaration. It's a declaration because David's just like you. Weak-kneed often, spiritually. Sometimes wondering how, why God has anything to do with you. You're such a mess. All right? David's the same way. We're not talking about a man who is pristine. His faults are many. But when he gets up in the morning, he says, My heart is steadfast, O oh God. And he is declaring it. I want you to declare it. Can you declare the steadfastness of your heart? My heart is steadfast, oh God. Now the word steadfast is focused and fixed. So it involves orientation and direction. My heart is fixed on you, oh God. That's what he's saying. Now the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. And though he wandered sometimes and went here and there, and sometimes wicked people justify their behavior by referring to David, okay? Which I'm sure makes his heart sad if he knows it. Let's not justify our sin by going to David. But let's know that even though you fail and falter, you can declare this morning and every morning, my heart is fixed on you. I declare it. We have an anniversary coming up for the declaration of independence. It happened July 4th, 1776. 55 guys gathered together and signed this declaration which did not have reality till after a long war. But they declared it on July 4th, 1776 that they were free. And they pledged their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor to that document which they signed. And the declaration sets your life in motion in a direction. So in the morning you get up and you say, my heart is steadfast on you. It's steady. It's anchored in you. That's where my heart is, God, this day. I'm anchored in you. It's not just about direction. It's about stability. It's about where you're going to stand, your position, where you're going to be today. It's important that you start your day anchored in Him. The word heart is important too. I just quoted, David was a man after God's own heart. The little word for heart is the most often used word in the Old Testament to describe your inner life. Soul and spirit are also used, but not so much as heart. The heart is the inner you. It's the center you. It's the middle of you. You get up in your morning and you say, my heart, the center of me, the essential me, who I am in mind and body and spirit, my heart is steadfast, anchored, fixed and directed toward you. 
O God. And David fills that out with the poem, I will sing and make music with all my soul. So he starts the morning saying, I'm not going to be grumbling and complaining all day. People around me are not going to get all kind of negative for me. I'm going to sing and make music today. I'm starting out declaring my heart's fixed on you. I'm going to sing and make music with all my soul. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to be walking in you and giving you your legitimate praise. And though there's a hurricane coming or a spill in the gulf, God still deserves his praise. Amen? Though you have your own personal hurricane and crisis and trouble, God still is worthy of your praise. And you were made to give him glory. That's why you're walking on the planet with the two feet he gave you. So give him glory and you fulfill the purpose for which he made you. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp, and lyre. He's even going to get into the instruments. And of course, he was the harpist, an instrumentalist, as well as a singer. So he's going to get his instrument out and play his piano early in the morning and get his heart tuned toward God, steadfast and fixed in him, singing with his soul. This is a different, this is a kind of way to start your day that may be different than what you've experienced up to now. I will awaken the dawn. You see that? Some of you have trouble waking up the dawn, all right? You're not actually getting out there saying, son, come up. <laughs> You're in the bed saying, oh, no, is it morning? Some of us are night people. Some of us are morning people. It's okay. What he's saying is, here's what the warrior does. You got your full armor on. You get that armor on. You get your prayer care going. And you say, Lord, my heart is steadfast on you. I'm declaring it. I'm going to sing and make music today. I'm going to wake up the dawn with my song. From the beginning of this day to the end, I'm yours and I'm focused on you. That's what this psalm is declaring. That's how you win your spiritual battles. That's how you go through a day victorious. That's how you get to the end of the day and you lay your head on the pillow at night and you rest and you have peace because you spent this day focused and steadfast on the God who made you. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. All these people are going to know about you. I will sing about you among the peoples. I know you go out into this city every day into the schools and the businesses and the corporations, the hospitals, and you are traveling the streets and lanes of this city. And everywhere you go, there are people who need God. And one of the best ways that you can bear witness to a good God and his faithfulness and love is to sing and make music in your heart. And let people know, what happened to you? Why are you so happy today? I tell you, God loves me. And I'm just walking in him. That's not that hard to do, all right? But it interjects a dimension into your workplace and into your family that is powerful. It opens up discussion for future reference. It keys people into the presence of mind that you have in the heart of God. To give him praise is a good and proper thing to do and among the nations and the peoples, David saw folks of all the nations every day. And he gave God praise among them, whoever they are. He was no respecter of persons. God deserves praise. 
every day of your life, whoever you might encounter, you let them know about the greatness and goodness of God. He says in verse 4, for great is your love, higher than the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Can you think about that shepherd boy laying on his back in the pasture, looking up at the stars? And thinking about how far away those stars are. And how God's love is higher than the heavens. His faithfulness reaches to the skies. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you hear the heart of this shepherd king just swelling up as he talks about his God? Have you ever experienced that emotion yourself? Toward the God who made you. Is this completely unfamiliar to you? This kind of love and devotion for God. I mean David has it over and over again. Where it just wells up in him. And he cries out to God with all his heart. What wonderful love so broad and deep. Your faithfulness so wonderful. And maybe you say to yourself at the end of this stanza. Well no wonder he praised God. He was a king right? That's what I want to be. If I were on the king, if I were the king, things would be different. Well, David's been anointed king, all right? But the first five verses of Psalm 108 are a direct quote from Psalm 57. And the superscription to Psalm 57 says, David wrote this stanza that I just read. When he was in the cave hiding from Saul. This beautiful text, your faithfulness, your love, he wrote in a deep, dark cave in the wilderness because he was running from the king who wanted to kill him. And people said, David, you're going to die. He gathered in the cave of Adullam a whole host of criminals that were hiding out from King Saul. It's where he formed his mighty band and named his mighty men out here in this wilderness running for his life. Like some of us, feeling threatened on every side, not knowing what will happen tomorrow, not sure what our future might be. And yet David, in the midst of his trouble. And the time of danger and the threat on his life. In fact, there's a contract out on him. The king will reward whoever kills David. In the midst of that, he writes, Your love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. You can praise God in your circumstances. And when you use these five verses to do so, you are bringing them right out of the fiery furnace where they were penned into your life. They fit for you wherever you might be. The second stanza, verse 6, Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. He's declaring again, you're the one that loves us, God. It's a further declaration. He makes his declaration. But look at verse 7. I want you to get the turn of events, okay? 
God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is, is my helmet, Judah my scepter, Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I toss my sandal over Philistia, I shout in triumph. i tell you what David is doing in the second stanza. He is listening to the declaration of God. In the first stanza, he makes his declaration, my heart is steadfast on you. In the second stanza, he's listening to the declaration of God. Did you know God makes declarations? He indeed does. God has declared things in his word. You need to hear them in your life. You need to listen to the declaration of God. What has God declared? God has declared in this passage, David it's all mine. The earth is mine. I hold the title deed. Manasseh, Ephraim, Moab, Judah, they are mine. I like how the NIV puts these in quotes. It is an assurance on the heart of David that God is in control. Now, these words of verses 6 and following in the psalm do not come from the cave of Adullam. They are a direct quote from Psalm 60, which is written at the height of the kingdom of David. So somebody in Psalm 108 has said, I love that psalm that came out of the cave of Adullam, and I want to put the first stanza right here. And I love that psalm that David wrote when he sat on his throne. And I'm going to put it right here. And they made a new psalm out of these words already written. David is sitting at the height of his kingdom. He has come through the fire and the flood to see God conquer all his foes and to expand the nation to its greatest borders. And he has done so following the declaration of God. Manasseh, Ephraim, Judah, Moab, Philistia, even the foreign nations, they are mine. All the things you battle, they are under the sovereign care of God. If you will listen to his declaration, you will hear him declare his love for you his care for you, and his protection for you. Even this day, you've lost your job, you're looking for work. The family's going through a crisis and you don't know what to do. God is your shield. He is your protector. He is your high tower. He is your rock and your fortress. You run into him and you are safe. You can stand firm even when there is turmoil in your life because God knows you and he owns it all. And you are his and all the rest is his. It is the fundamental truth of scripture. The world belongs to God. That's why we can trust him. And he is a good God. He loves you. He loves you desperately and deeply and more than you can imagine. 
and not your neighbor or your friend or the preacher or the deacon. He loves you. And his love is directed to you right now. And his heart yearns to have a relationship with you every day, to walk with you, to be with you in the moment of your trouble, in the time of your pain. That's why he made you. He made you a communicating person so you can talk with him and walk with him. It is his purpose for you. Now, this psalm goes on to declare wonderful things. But the last verse I want to point out to you, it's Psalm 108, verse 13. And I want you to picture David as he's about to go to battle, all right? The warrior's morning song. He is finishing up the verses. He is pulling away from the harp. He's putting it up. He has is, he is focused his heart on God. He's ready to go out the front door. Verse 13, this is the verse you utter as you leave your front door and head to the front lines. With God we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. With God we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. That's how you leave your house every morning. That's how you get up from your knees after the time of prayer. It's how you prepare yourself as God's warrior in your world. It's God who's going to triumph. We're not trusting just in people. We're trusting in God. And we are making our foray into the world knowing that he is with us and with him nothing is impossible. Can you live like this? Can you speak these words as you leave your door? Can you make your heart steadfast on God in the morning and head out into your world fully equipped in faith and courage for the work he's called you to do? Jesus died on the cross so that you would be free from the guilt of sin and the penalty of sin and so you would be empowered to live his life in the present, in this world. And when you gave your heart to him, he gave his Holy Spirit to you. You gave your life to him, he gave his life to you. And he set you loose in this world to be his hands and feet. And courage is required as we go out as warriors for him. Someone in the room may say, well, how does this thing begin? I mean, where do you start? You start by knowing God loves you, that he has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. He has shed his blood for you on the cross, and you can receive him through faith. You confess your sin, turn from your sin, and receive the Savior into your heart. That's where your journey begins. It is the way God has prepared for you to come into his family. I challenge you today, trust him, take courage, make your heart steadfast, go out the door saying, Lord, I am headed with you and you are my strength. Let's bow together. If you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, repented of your sin and given your life to him, this would be a great time to just do that. Pause and just in your heart say, Lord, 
I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I give my life to you. I want you in my heart. Would you make that prayer? And in just a moment, would you stand up, get up out of that pew, and go to a counselor and say, I ask Jesus into my heart, and I'm ready to take whatever next steps there are to be his completely and to follow him faithfully. Lord, we pray today that you would do your work in us so that we can do your work in our world. Thank you for giving your son Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin upon the cross. Help us to claim that and not live in guilt and self-condemnation, but live with our heads up and our courage full as we serve you. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our counselors will be glad to pray with you. If you've got something you need to pray about, why not go see one of them, talk to them, and say, I need to pray that God will change my attitude, that God will change the way I start the day and finish the day, that God will change the way I interact with people in my world. If you need a church home, you can come at this time as well. We are glad to receive you. If you prayed to receive Christ, tell one of our prayer counselors. Let's stand together. Let's sing together. You come as we sing. Oh, heart of mine, why must you stray from one so fair? You run away at one more time. You have to pay the heaviness of needless shame. Just 
Also respond to this message by that tab that you received earlier if you still have that tab and you've completed it pass it to your right if you haven't take all the time you need to complete it ask your questions put in your information check the little boxes we'd love to get that back from you especially if you're a guest today all right when you're done you can pass that to your right we're going to receive our offering I want to thank you for the response that you've given uh, we have received about $50,000 that have helped us to cut that deficit back that we experienced in the first months of this year. We're still not where we were at this point last year in our giving, but we're holding our expenses down, and we're trying to be very faithful to you by uh, doing that and being very responsible. And so as we give our gifts today, let's just give them unto the Lord with a cheerful heart, knowing that He's going to use those to help us feed the hungry, care for the needy, reach out with the gospel of Christ to a city and world that needs him. And uh, Paul Hussey is going to lead us in our prayer today. Thank you, Paul. Heavenly Father, this morning we shuffled into the sanctuary with our shoulders stooped with the worries of the world. I want to thank you for reminding us that in the midst of all of these problems, your blessings are all around us. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us that your blessings are all mine, with 10,000 beside. And because of the blessings that you have given us, Father, we take this opportunity to return to you uh, a portion of what you have blessed us financially. So, Father, we ask that you would take our offering, our gifts, and use them for your glory this day. In Jesus' name, amen.